Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. A year ago today, no churches were doing this. A year ago today. Boy, I tell you what, that was the hardest thing for me as a pastor was to give up Easter last year. It was hard. But you know what? God took that and he allowed us, not just us as a church, but thousands of churches across our country and and around the world to embrace technology so that we can now uh, be seen. So there are hundreds watching right now. And over the next month, a thousand will watch this service. So uh, because of something that was bad and hard, uh, good came out of that. Amen. Well, you know, culture, in culture today, there's very little controversy when it comes to um, God. I mean, you can talk about God. You can talk about spiritual things. You can, um, matter of fact, you'll hear people say things like this. Well, you know, it, it doesn't matter what you believe because all roads lead back to God. And the conversations will be okay until you bring up the name of Jesus. When you bring up the name of Jesus, things change. Now, don't get me wrong, when you talk about Jesus, people loved his teaching. People loved that he healed the sick, that he taught a message of love, that he talked about serving and and, and the concept of forgiveness. But I want you to understand this, that not all religions are the same. While many will have um, a truth and some beauty there, there is a difference. So, you know, for example, Buddhism. Buddhism doesn't believe that there's a God, and and what they teach is that we get to do this life over and over again until we finally reach the right level, and then we'll stop being reincarnated. Hinduism, while it teaches about a God, it's an impersonal God, and the way that they have access to him is through idols, things that they build. Um, Muslims worship a God named Allah. And in that religion, it depends on your religious works where you stand with Allah. In New Age, uh, New Age teaches us that um, the, the ultimate goal is to become one with the universe, to get a higher sense of consciousness. Christianity, about all these religions I just mentioned, Christianity has an exclusive claim. And the exclusive claim is this, forgiveness for our sins. None of those other religions offer that promise. And so that is why I'm here to share with you today a message that Easter changed everything. Now, um, there's a lot happening today, and, and you probably came across a little patch of uh, a bunch of papers. Um, if you're a note taker, if you'll turn that first page over, you're going to like this, all right? Because um, I've got the the notes right there. You'll be able to follow along. If you're a note taker, you won't get lost. And today, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share four verses with you. Say four. Four. All right. And then I'm going to um, present you with three things to consider. Say three. Three. All right. I'm going to ask you two questions. Say two. two. And then I'm going to make one closing statement. All right. So four, three, two, one. You guys can follow along today, right? It's going to be easy. 
Um, and before you do anything else, um, help me. And in front of you, in the seat um, in front of you, there is a decision card. With everybody, pull that decision card out that's in front of them. Everybody. Front row, you guys are off the hook. Pull that out. You can use it as a fan if it gets too warm in here. But what I would ask is everybody, I don't care if you've been coming here longer than I have, um, put your name, your phone number, and your email in there. You don't have to do anything. Guys, you don't have to turn this in. But if you would, just help me get 4321 quicker and just fill that card in. And then hang on to it. You can put it in your Bible as a bookmarker. Um, but hang on to that decision card. All right, I said I was going to ask you to consider three things. The first thing I'm going to ask you to consider is this, is to open up your mind to God's power. You see, um, God created the earth. God made, and, and when we think about that, when we think about our globe, but it's bigger than that. He created everything that we see in the heavens, and he created this by speaking words. Not only did God create the heaven and the earth, but the Bible tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, there's incredible things uh, about your body. I don't know if you know this, but I'm going to uh, geek out on you with medical for a minute. But did you know that, um, that you have a kidney and you have a bladder and in between is a tube called a ureter? All right, that might be too much information, but stay with me. All right. Did you know that that starts growing at your kidney and, all, and, and it connects while you're in the womb? It connects to the bladder. I mean, how does it know where to go? Why, why does it end up, you know, in the back of your brain? Because your creator put DNA into each one of your cells and it knows what it's supposed it Bones know what they're supposed to do. Blood cells know what they're supposed to do. Brain cells, for some of us, know what they're supposed to do. And I think about, when I think about being fearfully and wonderfully made, I think about when our sons were young. Matter of fact, our youngest son, he was probably just a couple weeks old. And I remember Carrie was in the kitchen and, and, and we looked over and Colin, our oldest son, is, uh, the, we, we lived in a trailer and so there's a couch that separated the, the kitchen from the living room and he was standing on the couch and he was bouncing up and down. And while he was bouncing up and down, we could hear this sound. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And so Gary went and looked, and there was his three-week-old brother, and he was on his back bouncing up and down. I mean, some of you moms that are holding babies are like, you're holding them a little tighter. Like, no, that's the way we felt. And so we called the doctor, and the doctor assured us, look, you know, God has made him an amazing, his bones are like rubber right now, and believe it or not, he's okay. Man, the power of God that, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, uh, it's interesting, uh, we have this book called the Bible. This book is made up of 66 different books. It was written by 40 different authors over a span of 1,500 years on three different continents in three different languages. And what's incredible is that it has one solitary message. Now, you could try to find any 66 books you want written by 40 different authors over a 1,500-year period of time in three different languages on three different continents, and you'll never be able to put together a book like this. Matter of fact, 
Scientists will tell you it's humanly impossible for the Bible to be as accurate as it is. And you know what? They got a point there. It was humanly impossible. But the power of God allowed this book to be put together and not one word will return void. I want to share with you some verses. And the first verse I want to to share with you today is out of Ephesians. And Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18 says these words. It says, Many are far away from the life that God of God because they have shut their minds. So they can't understand his ways. The truth of the matter is that many are here today that are far from God. You're in the church. You're here because as a courtesy to a friend or a loved one. But if you were to be honest with yourself, you would say, you know what? I really don't have a relationship with God. And and many of those have probably valid reasons. Maybe you were hurt by somebody in the church. Maybe you were hurt by a family member who was very strong in their religion, and yet they didn't live out the Christ-like principles very well. One of the, I mean, sometimes we Christians are our own worst enemy. You know, we get in our own way, trying to do good, trying to spread the right message, the right story, and we mess it up. And, and many times as Christians, it's, we, we'll, we'll fall back on the, the verse first that we think of when someone, something happens. And so maybe somebody lost a child, and then we quote to them that verse that says, all things work together for good. You know, that's not what a mom or a dad want to hear. And, and I just got to tell you, they're, they're not at a point where they can understand that, and we do ourselves a disservice because we end up hurting people trying to love them. And then those hurt people turn God off. And they become far from God. Maybe it's not hurt. Maybe it's pride. Maybe you're one of those people who you want to run your own life. You got things under control. You want to do your own thing. Forget you, God. You know, there's folks out there like that. There might be folks in here like that. Matter of fact, I would bet that sometimes we live our life just like that, even though our words never say that but we live like we're telling God, forget you. Maybe it's not hurt. Maybe it's not pride. Maybe it's fear. Maybe you're afraid that if you surrender, if you um, open up your mind to God's power, that he is going to turn you into some religious nutcase. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise hands, but, you know, uh, you don't want to be a Jesus freak, right? You just, look, I just, I, I want to serve you, God. I want to do, but come on. You know, I think growing up, one of the things that scared most of us in church was that if we surrendered, God was going to ask us to be a missionary to the deepest, darkest Africa. Like that was the worst thing that could happen to somebody. But you know what? God doesn't do that. God cares about you. God loves you. And and so let me share with you a second verse when it comes to the power of God. And, And this is in Ephesians in the first chapter in verses 19 and 20. And it says that, I pray that you'll understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe in him. Listen, it's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. That's why we're here today. You know, the same power that raised Christ from the dead has the power to raise and heal a dead marriage. The same power that raised Christ 
from the dead has the power to heal and bring back to life a dead relationship. Maybe there's a brother or a sister, a father or a mother, an aunt or uncle that you've written off and you don't want to have anything to do with them. And they don't want to have anything to do with you and yet you know that that's wrong, but that relationship is dead. The same power that raised Christ from the dead has the ability to restore that relationship to life and to life that is healthy, not harmful. The same power that raised Christ from the dead has the power to raise a dead career. It has the power to raise a dead dream. There's nothing worse than a person who has lost their dream for living. They've lost the reason why they wake up every morning and they just wander and they find themselves in depression and they find anxiety rules the day. And here's what I want to share with you folks, that if we will open up our mind to God's power and we'll allow the most powerful thing that is in existence to work in our life, you're going to find out that in God's economy, it just works. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense when we do it the way that God says to do it, but when we do, it works. And what's amazing is when we don't do it God's way, we get mad at God. God, how could you let this happen when he's given us instructions on how we were supposed to handle the situation? And many times we get in God's way and we don't allow his power to work. So for us to open up our minds to God's power, what we have to do is understand that it starts with changing our mind. You know, that's what Ephesians told us, that we shut God off up here first. And then we shut them off with our hands and our feet. Second thing I'd like you to consider today is this, to open up your heart to God's grace. And there was a guy, his name was David Hagler. He was a referee and an umpire. And he tells a story about how that he was driving through Boulder, Colorado. He got pulled over by the police. And when the police was talking to him, he's like giving him all kinds of excuses. Look, you know, man, officer, if you could just give me a break. I mean, this is going to make my insurance go up. This, I mean, he was just giving him all these reasons. The cop was having a bad day and throws the ticket at him and says, you know, tell it to the judge. I used to do this when I'd get pulled over when I was in the military. They'd ask for my, I, my driver's license. And so when I, I pull my driver's license out and I'd hand them my driver's license and my military ID. And I always knew when he threw the ID back at me, the military ID, I was getting a ticket. Well, David Hagler says that the next season he was in Colorado and he was a referee in a game and he noticed this guy coming out of the batter's circle, coming up to the batter's box. It was that police officer. And so he, he took his mask off, and that police officer recognized him. He's like, uh-oh. And, and so the police officer comes up with the biggest smile on his face. He goes, hey, how'd that, uh, how'd that ticket work out for you? And Dave put his mask back on, and he said, you better swing at everything. <laughs> I don't think Dave was going to give that guy any grace. Let me share with you something. This is maybe the, the best way that I understand grace. 
Just picture this. Here's a young Ronnie Tabor, and I've got my sons. One's 10 and one's seven. And a burglar breaks into the house. And somehow I confront him. He's got a gun. He tries to shoot me, misses me, hits my, one of my sons. My son falls over dead. The guy runs out of the house. I chase him down. I catch him. I take his gun from him, and I empty it into him, and I kill him. Is that grace? No, that's not. What is that? That's revenge. Same story, same house, same dad, same burglar, same gun, same bullet, same son. He dies. Burglar takes off. I take off after him. I catch him. I hold him until the police come. And I say, I forgive you. Is that grace? No, that's not grace. That's mercy. Same guy, same house, same son. I catch him. The police come. They prosecute him and they put him in jail and he serves a life sentence. Is that grace? No, that's justice. Let me show you what grace looks like. Same guy, same son, same guy. And after the judge convicts him, I ask the judge to release him and I make him part of my family to replace that son that I lost. That's grace. I just want to share something with you. I don't know that I can do that. But that's the grace that God gave every one of us. Because it wasn't a bullet, it was a cross. But it was his son. Romans 3.22 says these words. God says he will accept and acquit us. Declare us not guilty if we trust Christ to take away our sins. And we can all be saved in the same way. By coming to Christ. Listen to this. No matter who we are and what we've been like. And I'm here to tell you that no matter who you are today, God sent his son to take your place so that you wouldn't have to receive justice. It doesn't matter what your religious background is. It doesn't matter if you have no religious background. Maybe this is the first time you've ever stepped foot in a church doesn't matter. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what you've been like. It doesn't matter how bad your past is. You could probably stand up and shock everybody here with the worst of the things that you've done, and yet God says, that's what Jesus died for. When I lived down in Biloxi, Mississippi, I had a friend. His name was Buster. Everybody needs a friend named Buster. Buster could do anything. And so we had uh, bought a house. It was a fixer-upper. Do you know what the, uh, the real name for fixer-upper is? Money pit. And this fixer-upper, we decided we weren't going to pay to have the work done. We were going to put sweat equity into this. All right? Sweat equity. You know what that means? That means you lose all your friends. 
They'll come over and help you paint a room, but doggone it, they don't help you fix her up a house. But this guy, Buster, he did. Matter of fact, one day we had this window. We were taking the window out, and we were going to put in a French door. And so I called Buster, and, and I, we used to joke, it was Buster time, you know, because Buster would say, I'm on my way. And Carrie says, what time do you think you'll get here? And I'm like, Buster time. I don't know. So I called him. He only was 35 minutes away, but two hours later, he still hadn't arrived. And he goes, well, hey, why don't you just start taking off the, the framing? And I took off the framing, and he still hadn't showed up. And, and then he called up. He says, well, you know, why don't you see if you can get that window out? I got the window out. He still hadn't showed up. And, you know, now I'm getting frustrated. I ended up cutting it all out, and, and, then, and he still wasn't there. It was, the, it was getting dark. And I stood the French doors up, and they fit. And then here comes his truck pulling up into the yard. Honk, honk. He says, see, you didn't need me. I might not have, but I wanted you. He says, Ronnie, he says, you do anything you want to with this house because there ain't anything that you can break that I can't fix. And folks, I'm here to tell you that the God who created you, he says, there ain't anything that you've ever done that Jesus Christ dying on the cross can't fix. Third thing I'm going to ask you to consider, and this is open up your life to God's love. God loves you. God loves you more than anyone. God loves you in such a and he loves you unconditionally. As I was getting ready for this message, I came across a, a journal that I had written while I was in training to go to Afghanistan. I just want to read you a page out of this. It says, what a fitting verse above, and in this journal there's scripture on each page, and the, the verse that I'm referring to is in Philippians 4.11. It says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance. What a fitting verse above, Philippians 4.11. I'm just returning from a memorial service for four men who trained here at Fort Riley. They were still here for about 10 days after we had arrived in May. Their vehicle was blown up by an improvised explosive device. It is a reality check. This isn't just training, but training for the possibility of the worst case scenario. The thought that I'm struggling with is If anyone from my team were to be killed, would I be willing to take their place? I say this because I know of only two that are professing believers. My heart says, yes, I would be willing to be that one that if it gave the rest an opportunity to accept Christ. But my flesh is torn apart with that decision because it would mean leaving Carrie, Colin, and Caleb behind. One thing you learn when you serve in combat is that you care for the people that you serve with. You love them. 
And I think what I was trying to say here is that I love my team. I love them enough that I'd put myself in harm's way so that they would have a chance. Because I knew where I was going. But that love is nothing in comparison to the love that God pours out on us. And, and it breaks my heart when I hear this argument and, and they ask, how could a loving God send someone to hell? It's a good question. It's a valid question. But, so let me share with you the answer. Here's how a loving God, a God who is love, can send somebody to spend eternity in hell. It's because... He did what we couldn't do. He made a way. He allowed his son to give up his deity and become a man. And then at the end of it, to be rejected by everybody. Rejected by the people who were looking for him. The Messiah. And to be beaten and crucified. And yet, you know what? God declared that that was a good gift. That gift to keep Ronnie out of a eternity in hell. Ephesians 3 and verses 16 through 19 say these words. It says, I pray that Christ will live in you as you open the door, listen, and invite him in. And that you will be able to feel and understand how long, how wide, how deep, and how high that his love really is, and to experience his love for yourself. See, that's what today is all about, is you getting a chance to experience God's love. And it's easy to question God when all you have is Christians to see. Because we do a bad job of representing God many times. But I think about, I think about a young lady named Jenny. And Jenny lived in Traverse City, Michigan. She grew up there on a cherry farm, cherry tree farm. And when she got old enough, she told her parents, I'm out of here. And she left and went to Detroit, Michigan. In Detroit, Michigan, she quickly ended up in a life of prostitution. And for a couple of years, life was good. She was getting more money than she'd ever made. She was living a life that she thought was the life. And then she got sick and, and was no longer wanted in that profession. And she was kicked to the street and she was living and barely surviving and getting by on a day-to-day -day basis. And she finally got the courage and, and she called her mom and dad's home phone and nobody was there and the answer machine came on and she says, Mom and Dad, this is Jenny. She says, I'm going to be on the bus at 6 o'clock and I'll be getting in about midnight. If you can forgive me, I hope you're there. So she got on the bus. And when she bought the ticket, it didn't end in Traverse City, but it kept going. And she thought, if I get off the bus and nobody's there, I don't blame them. I've, I'd be embarrassed of me too. I'm embarrassed of the life I've been living. I'll just get back on the bus and go on to the next destination. Start life over. So the bus pulls in. 
to the town of Traverse City, Michigan. And as the bus pulls in, it stops, the air brakes are released, the door opens up and people start getting off. And Jenny just stayed sitting down. She was kind of scared. She didn't know what to expect and she couldn't see inside. And so everybody had gotten off and so she finally gets up and she walks into the terminal. And there's 30 of her family. They got gazoos. They're blowing welcome home signs. She breaks down in tears. Everyone's hugging and loving on her. And dad says, we got to go. The house is full of more people. That's the love. Guys, we don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I think if you're honest with yourself, you don't deserve it. But it doesn't change the fact that God gives it to us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that today on this Easter Sunday, you have given us a chance to open up our mind to your power, to open up our heart to your grace, and God, to be able to receive the love that you offer. God, thank you. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will work in Jesus' name. I told you I was going to ask you two questions. And the first question is this. Are you ready to receive God's grace? Maybe you have been far from God. And matter of fact, you've never, ever made a, an established a relationship with God. Today, are you ready to accept the grace? And the second question is this. Maybe are you ready to receive the love that God offers? Just like Jenny, you've been far from God. Matter of fact, it was almost that same story was you'd say, you know what, I'm going to go into church one more time because somebody asked, but you have no intentions of ever walking into a church again. But maybe you got to see God's love in your heart. See, here's the reality. Easter changed everything. And because Easter changed everything, you do not have to stay the same. 2,000 years ago, there was a guy, and his name was Gaius Cassius Longinus. He was the Roman centurion that was in charge of the crucifixion. And the story is this. He was, matter of fact, in the Bible, you hear it. This was the guy who said, surely this was the son of God. And some of the extra biblical books, they tell the story of this centurion. And that he was partially blind. He could barely see. And that's why he was in charge of the crucifixion crew. Because you really didn't have to have many skills to do that job. And it was his spear that went into the side of Jesus. And the pressure that had built up in Jesus' body took that blood and water and it spewed out and got on the centurion. And history tells us that he was healed. 
that blindness. And that's when he said, surely this is the Son of God. You pray with me. God, I, we celebrate. And we say along with Gaius, Cassius, Longinus, that surely Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Thank you for everything this day and this season represents. And while we continue to pray, I just want to ask you this question. How many here today, you walked in here and you know you didn't have a relationship with God, but you want, you want that grace. You want that grace that God promises. Would you raise your hand? Amen. And how many in here today, You've asked Jesus to be your Savior. You lived for a while and then you went your own way. And yet today, you want to receive that love afresh. Would you raise your hand and allow me to pray for you as well? Amen. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, that if we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised Him from the dead, you will saved. Those of you who that are in need of God's grace, that's it. That's all it takes. Can it be that simple? Yes. Does it make it easy? No. But that's God's love for you. And those of you who are far from God, I wish you could see the signs that God has welcoming you home. He's got something for you to do. He's not finished. Will you stand and look up here just for a second? We've been singing a word throughout some of the songs today, and we're about to sing it again. And, and the word is this, hallelujah. Say that. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. One more time. Say it. Hallelujah, hallelujah means praise the Lord. See, I can praise the Lord because of the grace that he gave to me. I can praise the Lord because of his almighty power. Not only did he create there, not only did he make this body fearfully and wonderfully so that our young three-week-old son didn't get crushed, but he has the power to redeem decisions that I make that were horrible. I can praise the Lord because he loves me. And I'm here to tell you that he loves you. Every one of you. He loves you. And so you're going to hear, and you can sing along if you want, but it's, it's a song called Hallelujah. And every time you hear that word, I want you to praise the Lord there. You can do it out loud. You can do it under your breath. You can do it quietly. But while we sing this, will you join me in praising the Lord? As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight. 